0: And we're going to jump right into the Word. Another thing that we believe in, we believe in the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, and that has power. Amen? Power to transform lives. So we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're kind of continuing our series on what is our mission. What is our mission? We'll kind of have some announcements and things later. I want to just kind of have time to get right into the Word of God. Uh, so we're going to be talking about what is, what is our mission. Last week... We looked at the life and ministry of Jesus. We saw that Jesus um, transformed a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And uh, in that chapter, he said this. He said, the Son of Man has come to do what? To seek and to save those who are lost. Amen? And so we're keeping the main thing the main thing. And so Jesus gave his mission statement. He said he came to seek and to save those who are lost. And then this week I want us to go to 2 Timothy because I want to just remind us of, as a church, what our priorities should be. Number one, we should be chasing after those who are lost. Amen? To go after that lost sheep, that lost coin, and that lost son. But I want you to look in Timothy. We're going to read here in just a moment. But I want you to see what Paul commands Timothy to do in the churches, and that command is still, I believe, a challenge for the church today. So we, I want to jump right in just so I have plenty of time and to honor your time, and so let's have a word of prayer, and we'll ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, we pray that you would bless the word this morning, and Lord, I pray that we would as a church, Lord, and as followers of Jesus Christ, I pray that we would be on the same mission that, that you were on And I pray that we would not get distracted by the things of this world. I pray that we would not even be distracted by oftentimes good things. Uh, Sometimes good things are the enemy of what's best. And so, Lord, I pray that, that your priorities would be our priorities. And Lord, as a church and as a body, as a church body, I pray that we would keep the main things, the main things. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just really bless our time as we look into the scriptures, Lord, and we look at this very important, very important priority within the church, and that is the priority of the Word of God. That the Word of God should have the utmost priority within the church. And it is sad, but in many churches, the Word of God is not a priority any longer, and how sad that is. And so, Lord, I pray that we would never lose focus of what we are to be doing here and why you've left us here and why you commissioned and called the church, Lord, what it is that we're here for. And so bless the time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. So let's jump in. There's going to be quite a bit of scripture, but that's what we're in church for, amen? We should be. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Second Timothy 4, 1-4, notice what he says. In the presence of God, Paul, as he's turning the ministry over, this is some of the last recorded words of Paul right before he's going to be martyred. He is most likely, they believe, to be beheaded. And so he's going to die for his faith. He's going to die. And he has a great responsibility, the Bible says, of the churches. He speaks of this responsibility that he had. And he's turning it over to a young man by the name of Timothy. So he writes a number of letters to Timothy. But the second letter is literally, in this last chapter here, some of the very last words of Paul. And this is what he says to Timothy. Notice his priority. He says this, in the presence of God... And of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Notice what he says. He says, I give you this charge to do what? Will you say the next few words with me? To preach the word, to teach the word, to preach the word or to proclaim the word. He says, be prepared in season and out of season Notice what he says to do. What do you do with the word of God? He says, correct. He says, rebuke. You say, well, that sounds like strong words. Those are strong words. Are you with me, church? Yes. He says, use the word to correct. Use the word to rebuke. He says, but also do what? He says, encourage, build people up. And he says, with great patience and careful instruction. He says, for the time will come. He says, there's a time coming, he says, when people will not put up with sound doctrine or sound teaching. He says, there's a day coming when people do not want to put up with it. I hope and pray that you will put up with it. Amen? But he says, there's a day coming when people will not want to hear the truth. He says, they will not want to put up with the sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, what will they do? They will gather around them a great number of teachers this to these words, to say what their itching ears want to hear. Wow. He says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I don't know about you, but I feel like we may be living in those days. Would you agree with me, church? It seems as though we're living in these days where people no longer want to hear truth. In fact, We're going to get into it in a moment, but boy, I'm telling you, listen to me. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And do we not live in a very confused society and a confused culture? I mean, it is so confused people don't even know what gender they are anymore. I mean, I mean, it is unreal. You, I mean, you don't even know, I don't even know which bathroom, you know, where are you supposed to go? Which bathroom are you're supposed to use? Listen to me, and it's really scary because God is not the author of confusion, the Bible says. We're living in a culture, in a society that even says that there is no truth, there is no absolute truth. And by the way, that's pretty scary, isn't it? When... When we, I mean, when even just biologically and scientifically, there's things that we know to be what we would say truth, and now those things are no longer true. So you can't even fill out a form without saying, you know, what do you identify as? And you know, it, it, it blows my mind, and I don't want to get off in all of that because I want to preach the word, okay? But isn't it sad that we live in a culture and a society where Literally, no one really knows truth. And even people say there is no truth. Well, I'm here to tell you, according to the word of God, we do have some truth. Amen. Amen. And this is where we find absolute truth. But he says to preach the word. He says to, to always be ready to preach it in season, out of season. Meaning this, when it's popular and when it's not popular. And it's really becoming a day when it is not really very popular to preach the word, is it? It might offend. It might, it might cause some people to be offended. But the word of God is important. And it needs to be a priority. In fact, Paul says to the churches and to Timothy says, listen, one of the most important priorities that the church should have is that the word of God is priority, that we teach and preach the word of God. The word of God should be vital in our lives. I want to use an example out of Matthew chapter 4. We'll kind of build on this, but Jesus himself saw the importance of the word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, Many of you're familiar with this. It's the temptation of Jesus. And I want you to see how Jesus was able to contend and able to battle Satan. It says this then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him. Satan comes and he's going to tempt him. He's going to test him. And he said, if if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered. Notice what he said. It is written. He's going to go to the word. It is written. He's going to quote scripture. Man, and we'll speak on this in a moment, but man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city. And he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if, he's questioning, it's what the devil does, right? He questions, questions everything. He says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. By the way, the devil knows the scriptures too. And he likes to twist the scriptures. He says he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up In their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. By the way, here's a whole other teaching, but Jesus right there just said that he is God. Did you guys catch that? Jesus said right there, as he's contending with Satan, He says, I am God. Do not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. And he said this, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Then said Jesus to him, away from me, Satan. What does he do again? He says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quotes Scripture three times as Jesus is there out in the wilderness and as Satan comes, at each time he tests him, each time he tempts him, each time he tries him and tries to to persuade him to do what he wanted him to do, Jesus immediately quotes Scripture. Jesus immediately says, it is written, and he uses Scripture to combat the enemy. I want us to realize that The reason why as a church we teach and preach the word, it is so that we can equip you to to have the word of God so that you can overcome the testing and the trials of the tempter who will come after you and tempt you and test you. And the only way you're going to be able to overcome him is the same way Jesus overcame the enemy. And that is by using the word of God, using scripture and quoting scripture. And having the authority of the word of God, because whether you know this or not, you may be shocked, but you ready for this? Can you guys handle it? Are you ready? You will be tempted. Did you get that? You will be tempted. No, not me. Some of you are tempted on your way to church. Some of you are tempted by, by your children making you late for church. Some of you, as you were pulling into the parking lot, it was World War III in the minivan. (laughs) You say, how do you know these things? I lived it. I've been there, done that. And then, you know, listen, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tested. The enemy is going to tempt you. And He knows our weaknesses and He knows the things that we desire and He knows what, what areas in our life and He knows, if you will, what buttons to push and, and Satan comes to Jesus. Think about it. Jesus is hungry. And really think about this. Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and what's the very first thing He tempts Jesus with and tests Him with? What was it? Food. And so Jesus uses scripture and he quotes scripture and he says it is written so understand as uh, as i'm kind of teaching through this and we're going through some scripture understand why it is so important that we as a church preach and teach the word of god that the word of god is a priority because in essence we realize that even jesus himself when he was tested and tempted that he used the scriptures To combat the enemy, he used the authority of the Word of God to send the devil running and to keep him away. Do you understand that it is our responsibility as a church to equip God's people to use the Word of God to overcome the enemy? Because understand this, we are not with you in your workplace. You don't have us with you, so to speak. You don't have Pastor Joe with you or... Or, or one of the other pastors or someone else with you. By the way, I don't have you with me when I get tested and tempted. But what I can do is use the word of God. And we can equip you. To use the word of God as a weapon. The Bible says it like this in Psalms. Psalm, David said in Psalm 1 that he meditates on the word of God day and night. He meditates on the scriptures. It says, blessed is the man who is who, who, meditating on the word of God day and night. In Psalm 119, uh, verse uh, 9, it says, how will a young man cleanse his way? It says, by taking heed, by obeying the word of God. It goes on a little bit later. It says this in Psalm 119, 11, It says, thy word, David says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against, against thee, against you, O God. He says, I hide the word of God in my heart so that I won't sin against God. You know what every Christian needs? Every Christian needs some TV in their life. Amen? TV stands for trigger verses, all right? Not TV, television, TV. You need some trigger verses in your life. In fact, Psalm 119.11 is a verse I use all the time. I'll use that verse. word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. When the devil starts to test me and tempt me, I will try to come up with scripture. When I start to get angry, we don't always do it. When you start to get angry and you feel that rage coming up, sometimes you'll, I'll say, be, okay, be quick, Let's see, be slow, you said it this morning, be slow to speak, slow to wrath, be quick to listen. Quote scripture. Soft answer turns away wrath. By the way, do we always do, we always do these things? No. Because the enemy knows how to push our buttons. But when we meditate on the word and when we study the word, when we hide God's word in our heart... As the scripture says, and as Jesus used these scriptures, he used it and he says, devil, get out of here. He quoted scripture. The word of God is a two-edged sword. We'll see here in a moment. And it's, and it's quick and it's powerful. And we must use it as we're combating the, the, the wiles and the schemes and the methods and the tricks that the enemy uses against us. Let me say it like this. Someone once said this. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. There's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. Look what the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul again, near the end of his life, writes these words to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, he says in verses starting in verse 14, he says, but as for you, he says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know, you know those from, from whom you learned it. And this is what he says. He says, and how from infancy, from a, from a small child, he says, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Timothy from an early age, his mother and his grandmother instilled the word of God in his life. Paul writes of this in the first letter to Timothy and he speaks of his mother Lois and Eunice and he speaks of his mother and his grandmother and how they taught Timothy the word of God the scriptures. He says listen to these words which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for what? rebuking, for correcting, And training in righteousness. He says all scripture is profitable for for correcting and instructing and for rebuking. But do not miss this. This is so key. This is so vital. Paul says to Timothy, he says, the scripture is what makes you wise unto salvation. It's the word of God that brings people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the word of God. The seed of the word of God. The word of God is, tr- transforms people's lives. It's the word of God that brings salvation. The Bible says it like this in Romans. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is what brings salvation. The word of God is what, what brings transformation. The word of God is what changes people's lives. The Scriptures have power. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Notice what the Scripture says here. For the Word of God, it's alive and it's active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the uh, thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's a two-edged sword. The word of God is quick, it's sharp, it's powerful, it's alive. It's the word of God that will transform lives. That's why I don't apologize for using lots of scripture. I will give you scripture and lots of scripture. We use the word of God. And I would encourage every Christian to take what scripture we're learning and reading from and go home and search it and study it and make sure that what we're saying is true. All God's people said... Study it out for yourself. Search it out for yourself. Get into the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that is alive. It is the Word of God that is powerful. It's the Word of God that transforms people's lives. Jesus gave the parable of the sower. And he says that it's he says, take the seed, which is the word of God. He says, take it out and let the seed fall on on, onto the soil. And obviously there were many different types of soil. But understand this, you and I, as we realize that the word of God is is like a seed and sometimes it takes time for that seed to take roots and maybe someday bring forth fruit. But understand it's the Word of God that changes people's hearts and lives. The power of the Word of God. Oftentimes, people have this idea that it's a speech, it's a sermon, it's a person. Oh, no. It's the word, it's the word of God that transforms people's lives, amen? It's the word of God that penetrates the heart. Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians five, verse 25 through 27, we're going somewhere with this, so just hang tight, okay? Ephesians five, 25 through 27. He says, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Notice this, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the what? Through the word. The word of God. He says through the washing of the water of the word of God. We'll come back to that in a moment. In John 17, 17, notice what Jesus said. He said this in John 17, 17. He says this, sanctify them by the truth. What is truth, folks? The word is truth. Jesus said the word of God is truth. Jesus didn't apologize for that. Remember even Pilate, when Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? He was searching for truth. He didn't realize he was standing before truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus said this. He said, sanctify them. He said, set them apart. Jesus was speaking and praying for you and I. Jesus was actually praying. If you read in John 17, it's a prayer. And he's speaking of the fact that he says, Father, I know that that they're going to be left in this world. And he says, they're in this world. He says, but they're not to be of this world. He says, and while they're in this world, they're going to go through testing and trial. And he says, sanctify them, set them apart, sanctify them. He says, "through, through truth. And he says, the word is truth. Look with me in Jeremiah chapter 23. In this entire chapter of Jeremiah, he's warning of false prophets. Those who claim to speak in the name of God, but he calls them lying prophets. And we only have a few moments to cover a few verses. But in this chapter, he warns. Jeremiah is warning about these false prophets. And he says this, the Lord says, I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream or, or a vision. I had a, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets? By the way, can I just say that something? There are prophets who do not speak truth. There are lying prophets. In the days of Jeremiah, there were lying prophets. In the days of Isaiah, there were lying prophets. The Bible warns us that in the end times... The Bible clearly says that in the last days that there will be many, what? False prophets. So the Bible tells us to to be careful, to be on guard. By the way, all the more reason why this word is so important and why we must study the word of God. Because what is truth? What did Jesus say was truth? His word is truth. The Bible says. Is truth, the word of God is trustworthy, it is truth, it is God breathed, God inspired, given to us by God. And so he says, Listen, thy word is truth. Know the truth because there were lying prophets, there were lying prophets in days of old, and the Bible says that in the last days that there will be many, many false teachers and many false prophets, church. God's people, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus. May I say this? The word of God must be a priority. We must study it. We must know it. And we must, we must meditate upon it. We must, as the scripture says, hide it in our hearts. Memorize it. Know it. And listen to me. You say, well, how will I know, will I know what a counterfeit is? Can I tell you how you'll know a counterfeit? When you know the truth, you'll spot the false stuff. People who study and work with counterfeits, they just give them, they don't say, try to, they don't give them counterfeits. What they do is they say, this is what a real one looks like. And when you study the real thing, you'll be able to spot the phony. Come on now, amen? Christians know the Word of God. Be in the Word of God and study the Word of God. But continue with this chapter. He says, how long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets? Who prophesied the delusions? Listen to this: the delusions of their own minds. They're delusional. These lying prophets, he said, were delusional. He says they think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through the Baal worship. Let the prophets, who who has a dream, recount the dream. But let the one who has my word, listen to this, I like this. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. By the way, that is what I'm trying to do today. Speak the word faithfully. He says, for what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. Listen to these words. He says, is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. As I study the scriptures, I may be off on this, but there are eight images or eight illustrations of the word of God. Quite a few of them we've read about and we've mentioned. For example, here in Jeremiah, he says the word of God is like a fire. A fire. What does fire do? Well, one thing, fire, I know, brings warmth and comfort. But sometimes fire is used to purge, correct? Correct? to purge, to cleanse. They'll take the metals, precious metals and things, and they'll put it into the fire. What does it do? It, it takes out what we call the dross, the yucky stuff, and it gets it out. It purifies. Isn't it interesting that the scripture, the Bible says that God's word is like, it's like a fire. It says that God's word here in Jeremiah is like a hammer that breaks the rocks. The word of God has the ability to break the hardest of hearts, amen? To break through, has the, the ability. Let the word of God, and by the way, Christian, can I say this? You and I are not the hammer, amen? Sometimes we think it's our job. People call them, you know, sometimes they call us Bible thumpers. The reason why they call us Bible thumpers is because we bash people. It is not our job to bash people. Come on now, please. We are not called to be the hammer. We can speak the word of God and say the word of God and we can plant those seeds, but let the word of God be the hammer. Let the word of God convict. Let the word of God speak to their hearts. Very good. Pastor friend of mine, when I was still in Bible college, he was older than I was and he was pastoring a church. And I'll just share this testimony, share this story. The Holy Spirit tell me to share this. And it was kind of a newer church. It was kind of a startup church. It was a church plant. And, and so they met like in a storefront. And God just began to move in that little church. And new people started coming. New people started attending. And he would just get up each week and faithfully preach the word and One day, a a lady, and I believe she had a a lady and a couple of young people, had a couple kids, they were invited to the church and started attending the church and started coming and God just moved and God worked in her heart and her life and her husband was unbelieving and not only was he unbelieving, he was an atheist and not only was he an atheist, he was an antagonistic atheist and beyond that, it literally enraged him that his wife now believed in God. I mean, it angered him. And she was between a rock and a hard place. And she, here she had come to faith. And she was be- believing in, in God and had a relationship with the, with the Lord. And she had this joy she never experienced. And, and she wanted her children, they were still young at the time, to experience it. And, and, and the, the husband was so angry that, that his wife, and, and even the fact that she had joy was making him angry and bitter. And he became hostile towards the pastor, would call and threaten, and I mean, just crazy things. It was one Friday night he was he was at the mall with his family. The pastor and his family was at the mall, and as they were at the mall, guess who they see walking towards them? This woman who was, started attending the church and the small children, and the husband who was an atheist, an unbeliever angry, and, and he thought, oh boy, and he's like, well, you know, I don't even know what to do, how this, and he said immediately when eye contact was made, he literally made a beat, like almost ran, he said it was weird, it was strange, he literally was like almost running to get to him, and he began to just, just like make a scene, and began to, to yell and was violent and screaming. And it was, he was like, oh, my goodness. And he, and, he, and, and, and he says, "When who do you think you are? And What are you doing? And, and he, just, he said, what do you have to say for yourself? You're trying to tear up my family and tear apart my family. The pastor said, I just stood there. And my wife was in shock. And my kids were in shock. And we just stood there. And he says, a whole crowd of people. And he said, I didn't know what to say. And he says, all of a sudden, all I said was this. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What, what are you saying? What do you mean? What are you, what are you saying to me? What's that supposed to mean? And he said, I just said calmly, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What? What? What are you? What, what, what is that? Huh? Oh, what do you mean? What, uh... And he said, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God does not have life. And the man, and he took his family and left. It was a Friday night. This is gospel. Sunday morning, they're in church, and the lady came with her kids by herself. And they're sitting there, and he was just like, you know, like, the service gets going, and he says all of a sudden, just remember, small little storefront, he says he looks and he can see the guy's coming. He's coming, walking up, and he's quickly walking into the building, and he's having like PTSD. He's remembering this guy <laughs> coming after him from in the mall, and he's like, oh my goodness, and he's like, we had a small church. We didn't have security. Aren't you thankful for our security team, by the way? I am. <laughs> We have a security team. I'm thankful for them. They lock those doors down. We have, they have, you know, they, they check them before they come in and they have the little walkie-talkies. Yes, thank you, security team. They didn't have a security team. He says, that guy came through that back door and he disrupted the service, but he disrupted it in a good way. He said, Pastor, right here, right now, I've got to talk to you. He said, I've got to talk to you. He said, He said, you said to me, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He goes, I was so angry. I was so, so upset and angry with you. He says, but I went home. And he said, and I laid in bed that night. And he says, the only thing I could hear in my head, in this voice in my head is, he that hath the Son hath not life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son does not have life. He said, I kept saying that over and over. He says, and in my mind and in my heart. He says, it began to just eat away at me, and I couldn't sleep. He says, and all that night, Friday night, I couldn't sleep, and all that day, Saturday, all I could hear in my head is that I don't have life. I don't have life. And I want that life. Whatever it is that my wife has experienced, and what she has, and that joy, and what she's experienced, I want that too. And he said, Can I have that too? And at that moment, the service didn't even start. They got down and he accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. And he went from being atheist to a, to a believer in Jesus Christ. But you know what broke through that hard heart? The word of God. Christians, we do not need to be the hammer. Let the word of God do the work. He says here in Jeremiah that the word of God, I mean, in the scriptures we read earlier, in Ephesians, that the word of God is not just a fire, it's a hammer, it's like water. Oh, water refreshes us, amen. It says through the washing of the word of God, the water cleanses us. It cleanses us and washes us. I was on a missions trip years ago. We were down in um, Mexico, and where we were staying, the compound that we were staying, they, it was kind of, they were out of water and they would have to have the water delivered and they were out of water They had no water and they would put in the cisterns and once it would rain, the, you know, we had bottled water but we didn't have water to clean with, to shower with. You know, it was a hundred and plus degrees and day one, you know, you're just like, okay, and I remember we packed a bunch of little wipies, little diaper wipes and wipes. Remember you'd wipe down? Day one, you're like, I can do this, you know, I can do this. Day two, we're out mixing concrete by hand and doing everything by hand and the dust and the dirt and the grime. And day two, it's just, you know, you're just getting really, 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 really just grimy and dirty. And those wipes, you just you try and you try to clean. By day three, I remember standing there going, man, someone reeks who was in our, was like a group. They reeked. After about five minutes, we were all different places, and guess what? I still smelled that reek. (laughs) Listen, you know you stink when you smell yourself, okay? Like, that's really bad. It was so bad, and I remember finally, I said to the guy, the missionary there, I said, Well, I'm like, this is three days. We've got, I have. Need a bath or a shower or something, please. And I said, well, how much? He said, oh, it's only 100 I said, $100? That's all it is to get a tank full of water? I said, go get it. I mean, we had money. I'm like, we all pitched in. We, everyone bought. And I remember, I, I'll never forget, that was the best shower I ever had in my life. As I watched this grimy, muddy, gross water go down into the drain. I say that to say this, the, the water cleanses us and washes us. When we're thirsty, it refreshes us. James chapter 1, it says this in James 1, he says, Be doers or not hearers only. But what does he also say? He talks about that the word of God is like a mirror. Amen? The word of God is a mirror. It reveals to us who we really are. And what we're really like. By the way, that's why some people do not like the word of God. Because it reveals to them who and what they really are. (laughs) To quote an old movie, it speaks to truth. And we can't handle the truth. A mirror reflects and shows us what we're really like. The Bible says, as we read earlier, it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes the word of God cuts and convicts. Can I remind you of something? The same knife oftentimes that cuts and convicts is the same knife that God uses to bring healing. I know some, we're praying for some people getting ready to go in for surgery. Do you know, understand something, sometimes in order to bring healing, sometimes there has to be a cut. Does that make sense? Sometimes we say, I don't don't want to go in. I don't want that surgery. I don't want to go under the surgeon's knife. But can I tell you something? Without going under the surgeon's knife, healing can't begin. The word of God is a two-edged sword. And sometimes, oftentimes, we say, well, I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to be confronted With this in my life. But that is the one thing that will bring healing. To our lives. The word of God is like a seed. The scripture says. Jesus uses the parable. Peter Peter speaks of it. As as the the seed that is, is eternal. The scripture says in Psalm 119. 105. Thy word is a what? Lamp unto my feet. And a what? Light unto my path. It brings us. Light to see the path. To keep us from making poor choices and poor decisions. It's that light that gives us wisdom and discernment. So that we don't stumble in the path. In the journey. The scripture says the eighth thing that it's like. It's like food. Remember Jesus said man shall not live by what? Bread alone but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's our food. It's a necessity. Without water, without food, we will not survive. The word of God is a necessity in the life of a believer, of every Christian. Peter says this, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. You see, the word of God is is our food. It's our substance. Without it, we will, we will go hungry. We will starve. And it's sad to say that many, many Christians are living anemic Christian lives. Because they are not feasting upon the, the bread of life. They're not feasting upon the word of God. And a little devotional. How many of you have ever heard that little devotional? We had some in the back. There's one more back there. Somebody can pick it up on the way out. But it was called our daily what? Daily bread. There's a reason why it's called our daily bread. Amen? The daily bread. Nourishment, spiritual nourishment of God's Word. So I'm pretty much finished, but I want to just say this that the Word of God should be priority. It should be priority in your individual life. As, as, as important as it is to, to have food and nourishment and that substance, the Word of God, the Bible clearly tells us, is our food. It is our spiritual food, it is our nourishment without it listen to me without it we are going to struggle do not think that you can overcome satan on your own do not think that when the devil tests you and tempts you and tries you that somehow you can you can battle him on your own the bible says that the weapons of our warfare colossians paul says to to the colossian church the weapons of our warfare he says they're 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 spiritual and they're mighty to the tearing down of strongholds and that our spiritual weapon is the word of God and prayer. These are the two weapons that we have. And what's interesting is many and many a Christian will pray. And many a Christian will talk to God. But may I say something? Many the times we're not listening to God. Does not, this, does not the scripture say be quick to do what? Be quick to hear. Be quick to listen. Get into the word of God. And may I remind us, as a church body, not only as each one of you as an individual body, is it important that you're in the Word of God and you're feasting on the Word of God and you're being nourished spiritually, but as a church, we need to be reminded that the great, one of the greatest priorities... Of the church is to proclaim the word of God. To teach the word of God. To preach the word of God. As Paul says in Ephesians. That he gives us pastors and teachers and elders. And he gives them to us to do what? To equip the believers to do the work of the ministry. And one of those ways we equip you. Is to teach and preach the word of God. One of the primary reasons. Is so you can overcome the many wiles and schemes and temptations that the devil is going to throw at you. Amen? So the word of God is a priority. (laughs) I remember numerous families over the years, good friends, they would say, Pastor Joe, we, we love your teaching, we love your preaching, you know, and and we, we really get fed from that. But we're gonna have our family go to this church down there because they have all these cool programs. And at that cool, at that cool church. They have this big, the kids go in and there's a big slide that goes down the slide into their children's church. I'm like, wow, cool. And they're like, we have, we have professional musicians. And we, you know, there's, there's lights and smoke and fog lights. And, and the programs there are amazing. The, they have such awesome programs. And their coffee shop, oh my goodness. And by the way, I'm not against any of this, Okay. Please, But like, they have an amazing coffee shop. And they all have cool matching t-shirts. And they have such cool t-shirts. And they have an amazing coffee shop. And the, the kids slide is so cool. And the rock band is amazing. And by the way, I am not preaching against anything. I am not. But then I want to ask them, are they preaching the word? Are they teaching the word? And they're like, well, not really. It's, you know, it's watered down. They don't ever say anything that would ever offend anyone. And then they're not being mean, but then their family goes through all kinds of turmoil. They're having problems with their kids, problems in their marriage, struggles and so many different things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I'm not saying that if you come to Red Hills, everything's perfect. I'm not. But what I'm saying is this, is they were going to the church for all the wrong reasons. You know, should be before you think about anything else about what church or this church or that church, you really, at the very high, highest priority should be, do they teach and preach the word of God? That should be way at the top of the list. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray.